A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. I'm John, and this is our podcast covering the end of Season 2 of The Bad Batch and a quick retrospective on Visions Volume 1. Before we get started, here's a quick reminder that you can send feedback to StarWars at thelorehounds.com or head to our website at thelorehounds.com slash contact, where you can use the contact form or send us a voicemail. The voicemail feature is super simple to use. Just click the Start Recording button, and that's it. The website will send us your audio, and we can drop it into the recording. We have a Discord server and a great community over there, and they love to talk Star Wars. We've been having fun with all the Mando speculation, so head over and say hi. Link in the show notes below. And as you also may know, we've got a Patreon. And if it works for you, we'd like to invite you to subscribe. For as little as $3 a month, you get ad-free versions of all of our podcasts, early access, occasional bloopers, and more. Ad revenues are fickle, and Patreon is a great way to support us steadily. That said, all of our podcasts will always be available on our ad-supported feed, with the exception of exclusive Patreon podcasts. We're available on all the major platforms. Just search for The Lorehounds and subscribe. Our last ask for the intro. If you've got a moment, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, and if possible, leave us a review. These help us show up on search rankings and lets other people know that we're good value. Okay, John, what are we up to in this episode? Well, we've all been committing to our Star Wars journey, and I think that mm-hmm. this is the next step, right? We've we've done the Bad Batch season two, episode one through five, and with no logic at all, we've done, we're now doing episodes six <laughs> through sixteen. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I'm I'm super into the Bad Batch. I think it's going great. I think it's uh, a great answer to the issues of the Clone Wars. And I think it's a worthy successor as as far as season two has gone. You know, season one, it didn't wow me. Season two, yeah. actually, I think is starting to wow me. I mean, the, the finale was amazing. I, I don't want to talk about it too much because we are going to discuss that in detail. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's so fun. And you've been watching Vision season one, volume one, I guess they call it. Yeah, volume one. Yep. And uh, you're having a lot of fun with that. I watched a little bit of the first episode, but I got called away to something else. Uh, but now I want to hear what you think about it so that you can pitch this to me so I can go enjoy Visions. <laughs> right. I'm almost intimidated to talk about Bad Batch Season 2 because it's been so expansive and broad. 
and they've done so much work to do little tie-ins and character bringbacks and setups for future potential. Um, I uh, was so impressed with the animation. The uh, the voice acting has been spot on. The kidness of the show seems to have like worn away or dropped off a little bit. And so it's not, oh, hey, precocious teen in the lone wolf pack that's taking care of him. Let's go on adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff seems to be away. And there seems to be real stakes and real uh, development and characters really struggling with things. I mean, with the whole thing of Echo uh, and their little mini arc um, uh-huh. and what happens at the end. I think there's a good marker, too, just to say that... As we're talking about episodes, we're going to go episode by episode. And so if you're not caught up at any point, you can kind of hold back um, and catch up. So we won't spoil the last couple of episodes until we get to those, right? So I think that's a safe way to have people navigate this in case they're not fully caught up. Um, But yeah, I've really enjoyed Bad Batch, and I'm really excited to see how it works as a glue and interconnection to other parts of the Star Wars universe. That said, for Visions Volume 1, I was like a little, hmm, what is this? I don't really understand. And it's been my journey back into the Star Wars franchise is pretty recent. So I feel like I'm doing a lot of catch up and I'm trying to pick up some of the different things that are on the margins. And Visions was this thing that's just floating out there. What is it? I don't understand it. Why is it part of the the uh, animated, uh, you know, anim- animated verse? And why is it on Disney Plus? And then watching it, I've been really impressed and really enjoyed it. Now, that said, there's a couple of episodes that <laughs> I was a little less enamored by, yeah. but it's fine because they're not canon. They don't, you know, they, they, they don't mean anything in the wider uh, scope of the stories. But that we have these and that these different, uh, I believe it's seven different animation studios produced nine different animated episodes where they were just given license. Go reinterpret the Star Wars universe, tell a story that you want to tell, use canon, use not canon, we're here to support you, we'll guide you, we'll answer questions, but just go do some, you know, fun, exciting stuff. I I think it was really, it turned out really amazing. The second volume is coming out in May, and interestingly, this time they opened up the studio, they opened up uh, to a wider group of studios, so more internationally, like Spain and Portugal and uh, I think Brazil or Peru or something like that was in there. Well, I've Mm. got a little bit of a list later, but they really opened it up and opened the doors up to more animation studios around the world. So I'm really looking forward to um, seeing volume two. With volume one, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a couple of my favorites, a couple of my least favorites, so that if you want to dive in, I, I, I had this weird experience where I saw the first episode. And it was amazing, and it blew me away, and I was totally hooked. And then episode, the second two episodes were completely something different. Yeah. So it really threw me, and then I had to sort of grind my way through the, the others. So I'll, I'll give you a clue as to where, if you want to jump around a little bit, um, and then pick up the less interesting, according to me, the less interesting episodes, you can do that on the backside. But anyway, that's, uh, I think, where I'm at with Bad Batch and Visions, um, really enjoying some of this peripheral stuff. I think it's been great. And I, I'm, I'm more, I'm way more invested into the Star Wars franchise now than I was before being just a child of 77 and not this expanded universe. So this has been great. Very cool. 
Yeah, well, I think it's time to get into The Bad Batch Season 2. Let's start with Season 2, Episode 6. I've pulled some of these summaries from Wikipedia. I think most of them. One of them just got a little bit too long, but... Yeah, the Wikipedia people, you know, whoever's whoever's writing those, doing a great job. And I was like, you know, Efficient I can't writing. do this. Yeah, I can't do this more efficiently. So let me just pull right. it. All right. So season two, episode six, titled Tribe, the Bad Batch meets the Vanguard Axis for a job until Omega ends up helping Gunji, a Wookiee Jedi youngling, escape from his cartel captors, intending to return him to his homeworld. The Bad Batch finds Kashyyyk being ravaged by a group of Trandoshan mercenaries working for the Empire. After winning a local tribe's trust, the clones join the Wookiees and the indigenous wildlife in their fight against the Imperial opponents. The aggressors are eventually defeated and Gunji is reunited with his people. David, what do you think about this episode? Well, um, again, not being um, still working on my deep lore. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if it's Gunji or Gungi. Uh, we'll probably hear about that <laughs> by email. Um, was a character I was like, oh, okay, here we go, some you know kid fodder stuff. And then, of course, then I, as doing my research a little bit, I've come to realize that he's a pretty important character in the wider stories. Um, and it is, I think, a big deal that they brought him back because he's a Padawan, right? He was training with Ahsoka and, uh, you know, Master Yoda. And so, uh, after seeing this episode, I was like, wow, okay, what are they doing here? Why did they bring this particular character who has a lot of emotional import in the, in the franchise? Why did they bring him back? And to to what purpose? Was it a one-off kind of a little quote-unquote bottle episode? Or does this open us up to wider storylines with Ahsoka specifically? Right. Because uh, we know that that TV show is coming. I don't know if we're going to get a live action Gungi. That would be interesting. Yeah. Um, and I thought the other main part of this was this is continuing the path of the Bad Batch down the road of we can't stay silent anymore. We can't just live in the shadows anymore. We can't be disinterested in what's happening in the universe anymore. We have skills, we have abilities, we have connection and connectivity to different places and different people. And so they choose to get involved in this, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, this incident, this, this conflict that's happening, um, which is not necessarily to their direct survival benefit. So this continuing to to turn the bad batch to turn their focus from an interior survival like let's just find a corner of the universe and sort of uh, get by and sort of take care of Omega to wait a minute we're responsible in some ways for helping people in the universe right to deal with the after you know with the the rise of the empire here. Uh-huh. if we can help we should. Right. I think yeah, that's where they exactly. end up. Yeah. So Gunji, I think it's Gunji, but I could be wrong. <laughs> he was first introduced, I think, in a Clone Wars episode. I don't know if that was his first appearance, but I think it was. And it was an episode where Ahsoka and Yoda took the younglings to get their kyber crystals. And right. it was actually a really cool episode because you got to see where uh where the kyber crystals were there's like a mine and you Mm -hmm. go in there and it it almost tests you right and the kyber crystal chooses you it's kind of like the wand chooses the wizard harry you know uh so like the kyber crystals will sparkle 
and you have to make sure that you get that one and you have to go mm-hmm. through whatever obstacles in the mine and it's usually suited to like the kind of person you are and things like that sounds it's- like a good premise for a game show hmm yeah, right? no, just kidding <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah, I was looking on Wikipedia just now. It is the, the Clone Wars uh, episode six of the fifth season. The Gathering is his first appearance. Yeah, it's super good. It's a super good arc. I would recommend it. It's a, it's a nice little lore bit, you know, because you get to see right. this, uh, this mine. And yeah, uh, one other cool detail about him is that, you know, Wookiees are not usually Jedi. They It's very rare right. that a Wookiee becomes a Jedi. Interesting. It, it said okay. that in the Clone Wars arc. And when they're picking out their hilt materials, they have a, a droid who shows them the different materials they can pick, and he picks wood, a wood hilt. And Whoa, the droid goes, cool. "Oh, that's so unique! Just like you, a Wookiee Jedi." You know, it's it's uh-huh, it nice. was cool. It was cool. I liked it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so yeah, interesting episode, and we'll we'll see if uh, Gunji Gungi um, comes back. Um, and yeah, we don't. We have not seen a lot of Wookiees really since the Solo movie um, and little bits and pieces, but nothing major in the storylines or any other major characters. And of course, now we've got uh, Zeb making an appearance in um, the most recent Mandalorian episode. Uh um, And that's a big, tall, huge, you know, sort of creature type. Well, you know, Zeb Uh, is actually the the Lasat design is based off concept art for Chewbacca. Oh, interesting. Oh, so from the original, yeah. going back to when they're yeah. originally sketching them out. And they okay. decided that that was not something they could do with practical effects, really. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up using this design in Rebels for the Lasats for Zeb. Nice. And right. uh, now, it's, mm-hmm. now it's coming back for full circle. We've gone CGI and live action. Yeah, it was awesome. Okay, cool. All right. Well, that's uh, episode six. What do we got for... The next couple of episodes. Yeah, so this is a, a two-parter. This is yeah. season two, episodes seven through eight, The Clone Conspiracy and Truth and Consequences. Admiral Rampart attempts to sell his conscription bill to the Imperial Senate. Senator Chuchi resists this bill while advocating for better treatment of decommissioned clones. Senator Chuchi meets Slip, a clone trooper who witnessed Rampart's order to destroy Kamino. However, Slip is assassinated before he can testify. The senator is rescued by Rex, who recruits the Bad Bats to get evidence of the destruction of Kamino from Rampart's Star Destroyer. They succeed. Senator Chuchi exposes Rampart to the Senate, and the Emperor appears to order the arrest of Admiral Rampart. Echo decides to leave the Bad Batch and join Rex in his journey to help the other clones. This was a really interesting, uh, not only was it a double episode, but it got really, I don't want to say political is not the right word because it wasn't, it, it's dealing with politics, but it was also very spy, cloak and dagger yeah, yeah, yeah. type stuff. And to have in, a, in an animated storyline, okay, it's one thing, you know, troopers, bing, bing, shoo, shoo, and spaceships, zoo, zoo. Um, this is like assassination. This yeah. is political machinations, levers of power. Uh, positioning. It was a very unique little arc, and I thought it brought a lot of depth into the storyline and into the world overall. And then we really get to see this issue of, okay, clones, 
clone army decommissioned, what do we do with all these tens of thousands of millions, you know, millions of beings who are trained to fight, have a will and a desire like they are very connected to their soldiery. Right. I mean, we don't see a lot of uh, musician or artist clones necessarily. Not that one of them couldn't. Yeah, only every now and then. I mean, there's an arc in Clone Wars where you find a clone that was a deserter and just started a family. Wow, that's that's very cool. But yeah, that's like more the exception than the rule. Uh, and so I really enjoyed seeing this deeper, darker side of the of the world and how the political machinery is trying to deal with this very critical issue. Yes, definitely. It is very deep for a kid show, and it's very dark for a kid show. Also, I, I got to say, the Emperor's reveal was amazing. Just him mm-hmm. coming out of the floor and everyone just stopping. Right. It was done so well. <laughs> yeah. He just shows up with the guns when he needs to. And I, I love it when it happens. It's basically, okay, my people have lost control of the situation, and I'm going to regain control of it. Right. Yeah. And, and take it, yeah. Only ever shows his hand when needs to. Right. Exactly. So Senator Chuchi was in a Clone Wars arc where sort of she was the senator who didn't want to fight the natives of the uh, the planet that her people had settled. And there was some kind of, I guess, prime minister, somebody who was in charge of the actual planet and not the foreign affairs, which is kind of cool that they make that distinction in Clone Wars, right? That's a, you know, it's a kid show. You're actually making the distinction of one person is in charge of international things. One person is in charge of the domestic affairs of this planet. And there was a whole thing where she didn't want to fight the natives. She wanted to figure out a peaceful, you know, working out of everything. And, uh, and the, the other person wanted to, to fight them and basically eliminate them, which is pretty insane. And so that was her, her beginning in the Star Wars animation canon. And it's kind of cool to see her, because she was very nervous to take action in the Clone Wars. Okay. And it's really cool to see her finally go, I can do something, right? I'm going to fight for these clones. And I, I really love that development. I love that we're seeing characters change in a very natural, maturing way. In the I really series. appreciate that. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Rather than uh, one-dimensional or simplistic, uh, uh, formulaic uh, turns, heel turns, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's really nice to see character development and evolution. Right. What do you think about Echo leaving the Bad Batch for a while? That really blew me away. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute. There's in in a traditional show, especially. I'm going to call it quote unquote old television, you know, where we get 20 some odd episodes in a season and, you know, you have the whole summer break, all that sort of old model. You would never very rarely do something like that unless like the actor needed some reason to step away for a moment. Very rarely you you keep your core together. And even in modern in in new television, we don't often do that. You mean uh, you don't separate a (laughs) uh, two main characters? And then you don't separate two main characters and then reunite them in a sideshow that nobody watched and then come back the next season and they're magically back together. (laughs) Ouch. Ouch. Um, Yeah, it was really a a I want to say it was a shocking decision, but it was bold and it took me by surprise. Obviously, Echo going off with Rex, right? And Rex is like, you know, huge in the 
mythology of of the clone eras um and and a fan beloved character um so i was like okay that's cool like echo's gonna go help him with something and then the way that they brought well uh, spoilers (laughs) echo does come back but we won't say any more really about it but to do this whole journey uh and then the impact that it has on the team and especially especially omega it was really interesting because they were working with our emotions. They were working with the team's emotions and, and through the team, us. And so to bring in that other level of um, emotional tonality was really not something that I expected. And one of the things that really makes me think, wow, this season of The Bad Batch is some of the best animated Star Wars stuff that I'm experiencing. Yeah. Did you watch the Clone Wars arc of the Bad Batch? No, I have. Oh, not. you got to go back and watch that. That's how Echo. Man, joins there's the so team. much to do. <laughs> he right. was not. It's only I think three or four episodes. It's not long. Um, it's it's a very good arc. It's it's actually Echo was missing for seasons uh-huh. and right. is discovered, and the Bad Batch helps Rex rec- rescue him, and that's when right. Echo because you know Echo's got that. Um, you know the arm thing, and yeah. the reason he has he that is in. that he was he was taken by the separatists and basically made into this like part droid clone. Right. Okay. So that they yeah, because he's got the, the whole lobot head thing yeah. and the yeah. So he the was basically used as intel, and then he I I think that he basically reached out through the network. I could be wrong about that. And Rex got the message and went, "Oh, that sounds like Echo." It's uh, it, is this retroactive spoilers <laughs> for the arc of the mini arc? Yeah, I mean it is, but it, yeah, you know this is the bad batch, right? You you should know right. this to watch the bad batch. It's it's really it's a really good arc, and this is this is where Rex meets the batch, uh, things like that, and uh, yeah, it, it it was cool to see Echo sort of not feel totally at home with the bad batch, sort of want to be back part of the bigger, um, you know, the bigger clone. Right, the big struggle, fight. because right. he was he did work with Rex a lot before he joined mm-hmm. the Bad Batch. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So that makes sense now from my vantage point of not seeing that arc. Right. Why Echo would have chosen to do that? He want he's he's already got a connection with Rex and is part of that mission that I guess Rex is, right. is on. And Rex went against the grain where he said, "No, I believe Echo's alive." When when right. I got this message, because everyone no, he's been missing a long time. He's definitely not alive. It's probably just a trap by the separatists, you know, sending out his mm-hmm. clone number. And and Rex says, "Look, if there's a chance, I'm going to go save Echo." And that's when they send him with the Bad Batch because they didn't want to send a large force or anything. And uh, so it's it's really cool to see them reunite. I just finished building the uh, the Captain Rex Lego set, so I saw I'll, that. Yeah, I'll post that. I'll post a picture of the finished thing with the announcement of this the podcast. Discord. I think cool. uh, that'll that'll be fun. I love Captain Rex. He's one of the best, like most complicated clone characters. You know, he's yeah. he's one of the first that gets his chip removed. Very yeah. cool character. I just saw I just saw part of that episode where um, that all goes down with Ahsoka. Oh, good. In Order yeah. sixty six. Yeah, yeah. So. It's it's heartbreaking, honestly. Yeah, that that, yeah, that whole arc. So yeah, that's you know, and Echo is such an interesting character because of that. And then he he's the most outcast of the outcast in some ways yep. of that group. And then to, as you know, we go through season one of Bad Batch and bringing in Omega, and then Omega being the glue that really holds the center of this 
little unit and then to peel off one element and Omega is just devastated by that, you know, that he would choose to go do something else. And it's part of the education of Omega and part of our education of, yeah, there's a bigger struggle going on out here. Never forget that. There are huge galaxy universal wide pressures that are going on that are even affecting this little tight unit, this quote unquote family. Right. I love how they're letting these characters do what they should do based on their motivations rather than yeah. what the story wants them to do. Yes. Because yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think the story really demanded Echo to leave for a while. No. I think I he would have been fine along, but I don't think he really had a place there either. That's why it was such a surprise when he did. It was like, whoa. Right. Yeah. So very cool very stuff. Cool. Um, I got a little confused during this two episode little arc because uh, Senator Chuchi, I think, is partly voiced by Michelle Ang, who is also the voice of uh, Omega. Oh, so that's funny. I thought I was like, oh, wait, are they making some connection between the senator and Omega and part of Omega's <laughs> secret DNA, you know, purpose? Uh, yeah, so I, I got a little so. confused. Yeah, but then it was like, oh no, that's not that's not what's happening. Yeah, um, Senator Chuchi always had that that uh, Kiwi accent. Right. And I don't know why <laughs> they, they decided to have this person have the same accent as all the clones. Michelle Ang. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, I she's, don't know. From New, she's from New Zealand. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's just funny how, how they... It's such a... It's such a... It's a specific accent in the Star Wars universe. Yes. Like, it is It is yes. very attached to the clones. And then you see you hear her on Clone Wars and you go, Oh, that's the clone accent, you know? It's it's yeah, not, right. I know in the real world plenty of people have the New Zealand accent, but the you know, in, in Star Wars we basically only hear the clones with that accent. Right, right. But yeah, no, it's it's it is interesting to see that happen. All right, what's next? So the next arc is another two parter. It is season two, episode nine through ten, The Crossing and Retrieval. The Bad Batch's ship is stolen while they mine Ipsium for Sid. The Batch is trapped in a mine, but Tech and Omega learn to work together and find an alternative exit. Sid tries to abandon the clones, but eventually agrees to pick them up in a few days. After escaping the mine, the Batch tracks down the thief named Benny, working for a crime boss named Mako. Although Benny initially betrays the clones, he eventually reveals that Mako has been stealing from his subordinates and they overthrow him, allowing the Bad Bats to leave with their ship. So this is pretty much the end of uh, the relationship with Sid, huh? Yeah, this is the beginning of the end. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you could feel the, it was like gra- a glass being ground slowly into your, you know, your pudding. It's like, wait a minute, something is not right here. There, there's, a, there's a bad vibe happening down. Yes. Uh, and, and it was hinted at earlier in the season when they saved Sid from the gambling debt. Yeah, and mm-hmm. her her longtime adversary, I guess, said, right. you know, and and it, we didn't know at the time was it genuine? Was it you know was it was it trying to get them to abandon her? <coughs> but he's he's <clears throat> going, you know, don't trust her. She'll you know turn on you, basically. Yeah, and I think that's right. You know, I think I think he was being genuine. Now we know, and and all throughout Sid's arc, she never gets positive towards the guys we never see those quote-unquote familial feelings that that protective like oh you're part of my group and i'm gonna make sure that you're looked after it was always pushing 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 you owe me there's a debt uh i need you to get this oh oh you can get free you know just this one big score one more score 
And it was all like really gaslighty stuff and really yeah. emotionally abusive in, in a way. Yeah. And I get it. They got, they were trapped in a bad spot. They sort of were backed into a little bit of a corner. So they had to, you know, figure something out until later, obviously, when we get to a different episode. But yeah, it was uh, not unexpected at all. Yeah. And um, one thing I love about this is it's something we kind of haven't seen in Star Wars before, which is the scoundrel did not grow a heart. <laughs> you know, the Grinch didn't grow a heart three times its size. <laughs> That's right. That's and, right. Uh, and, and she just actually was a scoundrel and remained a scoundrel yeah. to the end. What did you think of uh, these two episodes? Because they weren't necessarily my favorite. No, they were pretty slow. The plot, storyline yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I think they were necessary to add something. And also, if I'm, if I'm going to be generous, I think we could see some parallels between the relationship of Mako with his subordinates and Sid with the Bad Batch. I think that maybe that's what they were sure. going for. I don't know if they effectively did that, but I think that, that is, it is something that they were going for here. Yeah, and this was all very, Mako is a very Fagin-like character from Dickens' Oliver Twist, where, you know, the, this you know, slumlord crime syndicate thing, and got a bunch of uh, young kids all, all put together, and, and this just felt very, um, it, it, coming off the, the backs of the previous two episodes, seven and eight, to turn to this was like a little bit of a whiplash for me. I was like, whoa, we were like in the deep clone politics emperor, you know, showing his hand to suddenly like, well, we got this weird backwater where we know that there's a lot of injustices happening and and then to go deep into the story. Two whole episodes, like I could see one, but it was like two. Wow, that that's really interesting. And it was fine. It was well done. But I did feel like, oh, this isn't necessarily the plot content that I was as particularly enjoying. Yeah, it still fits into the wider thing of the Bad Batch being good people and like when they find injustice, doing something about it. But as a meta arc, a two episode little arc, uh, it was a little bit, it left me scratching my head a little bit. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't the best thing I ever watched, but it was pretty good. And, and I think that it, it added something at least to the Sid plot line. So anyway, let's uh, take a quick break, and then when we get back, we will move on with the season. So we are up to season two, episode 11, Metamorphosis. Dr. Royce Hemlock travels to an Imperial facility on Mount Tantus to meet Nala Se. He tries yes. to persuade her into taking part in the Emperor's cloning projects, but she refuses. Meanwhile, a covert transport bound for Mount, bound for Mount Tantus ends up stranded, and Sid assigns the Bad Batch to recover its cargo. While exploring the wreck, they discover that the cargo is an immature Zillow beast secretly cloned away from Camino to serve as a living armament resource. An Imperial strike force is sent to recover the beast and capture all nearby witnesses, forcing the Bad Batch to retreat. Shortly after, Lamassu is brought to Mount Tantus to persuade Nalase to cooperate. He divulges Omega's existence to Dr. Hemlock in return for his freedom. Before we even discuss this part, 
The Zillow Beast is a uh, a legacy thing from season two of the Clone Wars. There's a a two episode arc uh, where the Jedi sort of discover this thing, and and I, I believe it's impervious to almost all attacks. It's it's huh. its coating is basically impervious to I think even even lightsabers. Wow. And so the Emperor, or I guess the the Chancellor at the time, is like, hmm, yeah, we could use that, and. They, there's this whole debate of, do we kill the beast? Do we not kill the beast? It could be the last of its kind. Uh, and I think at the end, they kill the beast, but the emperor or the Did chancellor... Did they stab it with their steely knives? I don't remember how they kill it. Anakin has some no, kind of plan. I sorry, that's a, that's a musical reference oh, okay. joke, my friend. <laughs> all right. Hotel California. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yes, it's old man, old man music. That's all right. So they, they <laughs> kill the beast and then... Palpatine says, "Okay, now go clone it." Right. So, okay, and that's that's I guess how we got here. We got a new Zillow beast, and it is it's pretty scary, huh? It's yeah. I, I don't know where they go with this. I don't I don't think we've seen exactly where they're gonna go with this armor thing because I think that we still have the option to follow through on this later. I I don't know where Filoni was going with it in the original Zillow beast arc. I don't know where we're going with it now. It's a it's a pretty cool. Thread that is now like a ten-year-long thread of of the Zillow. Right. What do you right. think of this arc? Uh, I didn't realize we're going to get Gaijin stuff, <laughs> you know, monster uh, <laughs> King Kong Godzilla stuff in in our Bad Batch. And again, this is the crazy thing about this season. I mean, we go from Gungi, Gunji, whatever, to you know, Clone War, uh, Clone uh, politics. Yeah. To you know, Oliver Twist. Uh, earlier we had like pod racing in the, in the first part, um, to now we've got cloning that's happening with, you know, that's obviously part of the emperor's plan to preserve his life and this big ass monster, like this is crazy. And, uh, I don't know how to fit all the pieces. I think as a device, having the bad batch, Going out on all these missions, you know, mission of the week kind of thing, all over to the different parts of the universe. That's cool because it does give us opportunities to build out that hub and spoke sort of design of Star Wars and the Star Wars universe. Right. But I don't always know how to like take stuff in and how to like process the fact that here's this whole other creature, this Zillow beast that's coming in and, and it's part of the cloning operation. I was just like, whoa. And none of it is not working for me. Right. Even like, even the the previous uh, little arc with Mako, okay, I didn't enjoy it as much, but it did not work. Right. Just like this episode did not work for me. I, I didn't know how to process it, but I'm still enjoying it and I'm still eager and I'm still invested in the storyline. So I, I don't really know what to do with this. Uh, I don't know how to fit it into the Pantheon. I just have to accept it and like let it be there. <laughs> Yeah, uh, very cool stuff. It was uh, it was almost a horror type episode, right? Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. super interesting to see. I don't think we've gotten that in any of the animated stuff yet. This and the this creepy Doctor Hemlock and their sinister plans, you know, yeah. mustache twirling. Yeah, the Doctor Hemlock is truly an awful character. I mean, I mean, in the best way, right? I mean, right. you love to hate him. And I, I don't love the name. That I'll say. I'm like, what? Dr. That's Hemlock, fine. Really? It's, it's, I, I, I think it speaks Empire to me. I, I'm okay, okay with it. All right. Well, I was going to say to see Nala say. Yep. And mm -hmm. uh, more Kaminoans, Kaminoans. Kaminoans. 
Kamen Owens, thank you. I yeah, just a, one of those tongue twisters. Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, and then now, obviously, we have the tie-in and setup for uh, Omega, and Omega being a MacGuffin that the Empire needs to get a hold of, and obviously that's gonna pull in the Bad Batch. So like that all makes sense and tracks. Yeah, uh, it's just the Zillow Beast. Like, I still don't understand why we need Omega as the Empire. I don't either. But I guess I there's, there's some reason, because they wouldn't be doing right. this for nothing. So my headcanon all along has been that there's something embedded in her genetic code. Uh-huh. Like she's a, a, a memory bank, or she's a, a secret information is stored in her code, plans to, to do cloning. Uh, yeah, or well, we, maybe know, we know there unique- is something different about her, right? We know that she is right. one of two people, her and Boba Fett who right. have the original Django Fett DNA. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, with, with a different sex, I mean, I, it, how is it unaltered? That's my question. Mm-hmm. But Because that's a whole different chromosome. But I don't know, because Star Wars genetics are not necessarily real-world real <laughs> genetics, and maybe we just shouldn't go that deep into it. Neither are flight profile characteristics of zero-gravity space battles. But right, hey, right, right. <laughs> it's yeah, all so good. Maybe I'm just thinking too hard about that, but it, it is a little strange to me to think, like, okay, well, you have... A, a, a different phenotype yeah and yet <laughs> you're telling me that it's the exact same i don't know but anyway so it's it's her and boba fett and i think they know more about where she is than boba fett boba fett i i think uh may have been you now he he definitely was on the radar of the republic because okay. there was a whole trying to assassinate mace window arc that boba fett kid boba fett had uh uh-huh. which people i think have mixed feelings about but yeah, so but I, I think that they just know more about where Omega is than Boba, and that's why they're looking for her rather than Boba. Well, uh, and then not to be overly obvious, but like this is the episode that sets up the whole ending of season two. Yes. It, it, it sets the stakes, it sets the bad guys, it sets the, some locations, um, some motivations are all birthed out of, out of this episode on top of having a Zillow beast in it. Right. right so right. it's like, this is doing a lot of work for the, the season overall. Right. Uh, to, to bring us to a, a very exciting cliffhangery uh, end of the season. Yeah. So David, we're up to season two, episode 12, The Outpost. Crosshair is assigned to Lieutenant Nolan and travels to a remote Imperial outpost on Barton 4 under the command of a clone named Mayday. The outpost is attacked and two cargo crates containing classified cargo are stolen. Nolan orders Crosshair and Mayday to recover the cargo. The two clones eliminate the thieves and find the cargo, which is stormtrooper armor, but an avalanche fatally injures Mayday and buries the cargo. Crosshair carries Mayday back to the outpost, but Nolan chastises them for their failure and refuses to provide a medic for Mayday who succumbs to his injuries. Fed up with Nolan's arrogance and disrespect of clones, Crosshair kills Nolan on the spot before losing consciousness. Later, he wakes up in an Imperial operating chamber where Emery Carr orders him to cooperate with her if he wants to survive. What did you think about Mayday, first of all? I feel like he was a pretty cool new addition to the clone canon. Yeah, and I was uh, sorry to see him uh, uh, taken off the board uh, <laughs> and succumb to his injuries, because I thought he would have been a cool uh, clone uh, guy to have, you know, kicking around with Bad Batch and Yeah, Rex I totally agree. 
Yeah, totally agree. I thought he was he was pretty cool. He was he seemed like a unique personality, right? I think he was a little bit more willing to question authority than a lot of the clones we've seen, although Rex can do that, too. He was pretty uh, jaded and uh, war weary. Like, you know, he's going to carry out his orders and do his thing. But he was um, pretty well beaten up and cynical about the whole effort. And you know, I wonder how he would have uh, reacted if he had known all along what was in the cargo containers. Yeah, and this is something that I think is a recurring theme in the Bad Batch of clones sort of waking up to the fact that they've been abused this whole time, mm-hmm. that they were yep. treated as objects, treated as uh, basically like the droids, right? They weren't given any more freedom than the droids were. I mean, maybe a little bit. They were allowed to like paint their helmets and stuff. They were allowed to name themselves, but, you know, not much above Roger Roger. And to have, oh, and I hate the Roger Roger thing. That's a whole other topic. I love Roger Roger. Um, Are you kidding? No. We're, oh, we're not my friends Lord. Anymore. Okay. This podcast is over. Pod, podcast partnership is over. And it's really interesting when you bring in Crosshair's point of view from this, where, you know, he's on a mission, uh, he's got a job to do, and then he comes in contact with this other clone who is equally a soldier and seemingly like somebody that crosshair could respect and then to be treated roughly by the uh, commander um you know this is really where crosshair i think is touching bottom right he's scraping bottom here and realizing how bad things actually have become and i don't know that we would have got that without um mayday and uh, Nolan, you know, with those two um, different opposite ends of the spectrum there. Right, right. Yeah, I think that uh, Crosshair learns from a lot of his peers. He's, he's mm-hmm. someone who really needs to see things in action before he can internalize them. And he was a big badass prior to this, you know, being a you know, sharpshooter and being a special forces type guy. And then now he's being rele- relegated down to just being a grunt and uh, a grunt that is not being valued for service, for capability, for um, really what they can accomplish. And uh, Nolan really breaks any of Crosshair's belief in the system yeah. anymore, I think. Yeah, he really does, I think. Uh, it's uh, N- Nolan... You know, he he sees these clones as these dispensable products that these yeah. these people who don't really think, and I think that that's his fatal mistake, right? Is he thinks that they aren't human, and that's how they become more human to him, right? Yeah, and he's just an arrogant jerk. You know, he's yeah. way yeah. above his station totally. in terms of his his attitude and his outsized sense of self importance. Um, yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a really heavy topic for an episode as well the you know the whole thing of shooting your commanding officer or you know fragging your officers the whole thing that the painful irony that you're guarding this special cargo which is just a bunch of stormtrooper armor you know you should really watch the Ambara arc in the Clone Wars because this tackles a similar thing of what do you do Uh when your commanders are failing you and it's something that you don't expect to see in a kid's show, right, is to tackle that kind of issue, that kind of deep, you know, almost military philosophy thing, right? Right. Is it, yeah, is yeah, it better exactly. to take a, a fatal order 
to respect the chain of, of command or is it better to assert yourself and protect your fellow soldiers? And the whole thing is with in military, you know, discipline and order is, is that you have to follow orders because that's the only right. way you can get a large group of human beings all focused on achieving the same goal in, in a reasonably efficient manner. So yeah, the it, it's really in a heavy topic because going against you know uh, general order and discipline in the military is not something I don't know you necessarily want to be teaching that to kids, <laughs> right. especially if kids are going right. into you know any sort of uniform branch or even just you know completing the sixth grade, right? You know right. you want them to right. follow. <laughs> Well, that's that's the old school thing, though, right? Is that you want kids to blindly follow people if you're talking old school, but now you you go to you know modern parenting philosophy, and it's actually no. Let's actually teach them to question a little bit more, right? Right, exactly. Is hey, maybe it's not okay that just because it's an adult, he wants me to like get in his van. You know, it's it's uh, I, I I do think that that's a little bit of a generational thing too. Not you know. Not not to shit on the Gen Xers too much, since I already hey. shit on you with the ellipses. Hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tune into Second Breakfast to have some ellipses talk. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, it, yeah, it was a, it was a heavy episode. Um, and it was, we hadn't seen Crosshair in quite a long time until yeah. this. So, when we got it, it was like, whoa. And it was a whole Crosshair episode, which I thought, what again, <laughs> really making very cool decisions about the episodes. Okay, we're going to do these little two episode arcs. We're going to do this thing where one of the main characters leaves. Oh, we're just going to focus on our, you know, our lost brother Crosshair for a whole episode. I really it, it also gave the whole season a lot of freshness because yep. every time I came, you know, to watch an episode, I didn't know what I was going to get. Right. Obviously, except for the 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 conjoined episodes that where we knew that there was a, a part 2 coming. Otherwise, it was it it had a lot of freshness and good pacing because I I wasn't just in a a, a rut of what are we getting sixteen episodes I and mean, that is a huge season by modern television standards. I know for the animated it's a little different, but yeah, there's I mean, a lot. It's a lot of content. You, you could go way longer on, on animated yes. seasons. <laughs> uh, there's no rules with animation. There's no rules. The only uh, rule yeah, is no. don't break the uh, the uh, CGI house. Don't break the, <laughs> yeah, the special exactly. effects houses. Oh, they don't care. George Lucas will run them into the ground. I mean, not, he's not there anymore, but <laughs> you know what I mean. The The George Lucas method was always to run them into the ground because right. everybody wants to work on Star Wars, so who cares? So this episode was about the time that I started doing this other little trick that I got, and I know that this is one of these idiosyncratic areas where everybody's got a real clear opinion about what they like to do or don't do. And it comes with uh, language tracks and in what language uh -huh. are you listening to a show. And uh, about this point, I switched into listening to a Japanese audio track with English subtitles. And this episode was awesome because Nolan's bearing and voice and the voice actor who, who voiced him in the Japanese was so good and so powerful mm. and it just really this episode really really worked uh for that so i'm not watching every episode in with the japanese language track but i'm I'm watching a lot more animated stuff with japanese i've even done a little mando in japanese and there's something about the the tonality and the kind of melodrama and the big bold statements that really 
resonates well with okay. how the dramatic speaking, you know, the way that they're doing it in the Japanese. And it also kind of clicks my brain into that, you know,、uh, manga mode. And so I can suspend some of my disbelief. And I can, it just gives me a little bit more verisimilitude. It takes me out of reality a little bit. And、okay. it puts me more into a fantasy realm. And、uh, I've actually really been in, enjoying it. I, I kind of did that with, well, obviously, Visions、um, are all Japanese studios. And so watching them in the original Japanese is,、um, you know, I think for a lot of people, Uh, watching the source language from where that production is from is a good way to go. But in this case, I'm kind of altering that and, and going here. And this was a great episode <laughs> for doing that. Yeah, that's super interesting. I mean, I've, I've definitely seen the, hey, go watch it in the source language. I mean, that, I think that makes a lot of sense. I've never thought to watch something that was recorded originally in English in my native language、yeah. in a different language. That, that's.、Yeah. That seems strange to me, but if you like it, you know, whatever, whatever increases your enjoyment. We're here for the fun times. Hey, man, it was,、uh, it was like pouring chocolate milk on my cereal. It was like, oh, wow, this is even so much better. I、Ooh. never knew it could have been as good as this. Super groovy, dude. Super groovy.、Uh, so, Eating cereal with cereal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Crosshair, I, first of all, I mean, we've talked about before, we love that he's somebody who generally bought into the Empire. Mm-hmm. Who just believed that the Empire was the best career path for him, I guess.、Yeah. <laughs> And、uh, it's funny, right? Oh, no, I got a government salary. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm in the,、uh, the retirement plan. You can't, hey, they, you they can't fly me, me to exotic places. I get to you know, do my, my special sniper stuff. It's, it's oh, you're doing, the, you're doing the US Army pitch now. Yeah, exactly.、Uh, yeah, yeah.、So、I didn't want to go full、fun. bore with it because, you know, we're a. We're not, we don't want to be all about like that. But yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, it's funny to see him go. I mean, it's not funny. It's tragic to see him go from fully bought in、yeah. to, oh, what did I do? Oh, I picked the wrong side. Yeah. This is not good. And I do enjoy that he sort of is able to acknowledge his faults. I don't think that、uh-huh. he is someone who can admit that he chose the wrong side. I think that by the end of the season, He's ready to defect. I mean, I, even by the end of this episode, you know, he's, he's killing his commanding officer. I think、right. he knows that after he does that, he's not going to be in good s t a n d i n g in this military. Yeah, he's done yeah. for. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's super interesting to see that development. Again, it makes total sense. I think that we were all waiting for that line to be crossed because it's not like this was the first thing that went against Crosshair. I mean, he's been dealing with discrimination from the Empire since. The empire began. Right. And it, th- this was just the first time that he seemed to have enough. And here again, the, the showrunners on this are doing this real background work because this obviously sets up for the season finale and it connects back to the, the Zillow Beast and the cloning and all of that. So there's all this connective tissue that is stringing these episodes together, but yet they feel so complete in their own. And so Getting、uh, Crosshair's arc set up for the end of the season and getting them all back into the same place, really nice touch. Just very, very gently done, just nudged and pushed in the right directions. And、right. it felt really, when, when we got to the end of the season, it felt really satisfying because it's like, oh, okay, here we go. Like it's all coming together. Yeah, this season had a really great overarching. Arc, right? It just、yeah. had a,、yeah. a really great overarching story. Yep. So let's move on, if you're ready, to、yes. season two, episode three, Pabu. 
After informally cutting ties with Sid, the Bad Batch and Omega help Fee Genoa recover a lost artifact. Genoa convinces the clones to accompany her to the peaceful island of Pabu. There, they are hosted by Mayor Hazard and his daughter, Liana, who befriends Omega. However, a tsunami threatens the lower levels of the city. Hunter manages to rescue Omega and Liana at sea, while Tech and Wrecker help Genoa and Hazard to evacuate the population before the tsunami destroys the lower city. The Bad Batch agrees to stay on Pabu to help with the rebuilding efforts. Do you know about the the whole conspiracy theory with this? Oh, yeah, I was reading, I think uh, a couple of folks on our Discord were talking about this, that this might be Scarif from Rogue One. I don't know where the evidence is coming for this. It's interesting, but uh, I would need a few more pieces to, you know, actually see if that's true. Yeah, you know, I think that it is based on the view going into the planet. Oh, uh, okay. Seem to think that it looks like that. Got but it. I mean, again, this is all speculation and, and with animated versus live action, it gets a little hazy. So let's just uh, let's just take that with a grain of salt. I figured sure. we'd throw it out there. I think it's a fun it's and, a fun idea. And if it comes true, it comes true. Yeah. Yeah, I know there was an issue with the force field, but we got plenty of time to have that happen. So <laughs> it's I, I, I think it's possible. It's plausible here. But either way, it was a good episode. I, I enjoyed watching the Bad Batch slow down a little bit, and I yeah. enjoyed that it was sort of a standalone episode that had a point, right? Mm-hmm. Is we need to reexamine whether the Batch really wants to remain a militarized force or right. whether it wants to slow down and have a home for their basically daughter, right? Right. Yeah, and this was... There's a lot of times when um, shows like this go to a village. We saw this in The Mandalorian, and the village is very enlightened and everybody's it's an egalitarian and oh and we're all equally contributing and it's all beautiful and peaceful and they didn't they didn't give me that high-handedness of pabu it was like okay there's a bunch of refugees here and people are struggling to to get by and and it's not that we're not facing challenges and have things that we've got to deal with um and it was yeah like you said it was nice to see them actually take their helmets off for a while. Maybe take their backpacks off. You know, guys, you got these giant Lego boxes <laughs> on your back. Take them off every once in a while. Um, and and uh, uh, come down from being on, like, threat alert, you know, eight all the time, you know, especially, you know, hiding out in Sid's, you know, bar. That was, like, not a great place for trying to teach a, you know, have a kid be a kid. Right. Although she was a pretty good gambler, we learned. Yeah, very good gambler. And interesting that uh, Fee is uh, your favorite uh, voice actor on this one. Oh, my God. I got to tell you this. <coughs> I, I actually wanted to bring this in anyway. <clears throat> Wanda Sykes did win me over on a recent performance. Whoa! Uh, we got so, Bo-Katan blowing your mind. We got uh, Wanda Sykes blowing your mind. There's I a know. lot going on I'm, here, John. I am also not immune to character development. <laughs> uh, have you seen History of the World Part 2 on Hulu? I It's on my list. I have not gotten around to it yet. I, I think my Hulu uh, has lapsed, and I was maybe waiting for a couple of things to build up so okay. I could jump in there. Now, I will say, as part of my old man credentials, I did see History of the World Part 1 uh, <laughs> at least twice in the movie theaters. And okay. we've been waiting all this time for Part 2, and it's finally here, and I haven't seen it yet. So that's on me. Yeah. 
It's you know it's it's pretty good. There the first couple episodes are really good, and I think it starts to falter a little bit after that. But okay. Wanda Sykes is is an actor on it, and I think one of the writers on it, and it's really it's a lot of fun. So I I now have a little bit of appreciation, just a little bit for Wanda Sykes, so I can tolerate oh, V now. Okay, good. Well, maybe you should check it out in the Japanese audio, and uh, that'll just change your whole mind about the whole thing. I do not think I'm going to do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, the in terms of plotting for this one, like it was pretty okay, you know, they're they're setting up for oh yeah, we've got these storm walls and we're safe up here and you know, right. it's like okay, when you when's the big wave coming? Like we we get oh, of course Omega and her friend are going to be out on the water. Okay, right. You know, that was all fine. <laughs> yeah. But it worked. It was fine. The episode was yeah. fine. It was good. I had no I yeah. had no complaints about it. And it was and again, nice to see the the bad batch in a in a different type of threat posture they could actually relax a little bit yeah for a little bit for yeah, a little well, bit that's <laughs> it's it doesn't matter trouble's gonna find them if they don't find exactly. trouble trouble's gonna find them exactly not a ton to talk about on this episode but i think it was a nice little break yeah for sure season two episode 14 tipping point Several clones imprisoned for disobedience against the Empire, including Hauser, are rescued by a group of rogue clones led by Echo and Gregor and brought to Coruscant, where Senator Chuchi questions them about their intended fate. With only a few encrypted data scraps recovered in the raid, Echo rejoins the Bad Batch on Pabu. On Mount Tantus, the transport's destination, Crosshair is interrogated by Dr. Hemlock about the whereabouts at the Batch specifically Omega. He escapes well unattended and sends a warning to his former comrades before being recaptured and subjected to more intense torture. After receiving the message and analyzing the data Echo recovered, the Batch learns about the existence of the Empire's secret advanced science division. Where have we heard that before, David? Uh, the ASD? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's what uh, Pershing was working for in The Mandalorian. Oh. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, oh. but it, it seems very Pershing-like, doesn't it? That would. Uh, those are usually kinds of details that that I pick up on or catch up, and I I don't. Uh, that one I, I I missed if that's the case. But certainly cloning and secret research. That's all Pershing. That's all about him. So again, a lot more dark subject matter here. Torture, like they're actually showing torture. They're actually showing a probe droid, like you know, you know, giving giving Crosshair a hickey here. It's a little We're basically disturbing. Watching Andor now. Yeah, right. This there's a yeah. lot of Andor going on in here. We love it. Yeah, we now, love it. I did have to roll my eyes a little bit with the probe droid, you know, because that was the one that Leia, they used on Leia and stuff. And I was like, okay, all right. And I, I get it. I get it. What? That's, that's, that's the, we're in the Empire. What are they supposed we are. to use? We they, are. This is consistency. This isn't member berries. All right. All right. <laughs> and yeah, this is where we get uh, Echo back. And that's a pretty cool thing. Mm-hmm. And he came back in a way that made sense, right? He yeah. left to go help other clones. Okay, we have a mission to help other clones. Come back and help us out. Yeah, and it was a it was a good reunion. It was you know there's little feels there. I yeah I don't have a lot more to to say about this one other than that this is they're really bringing in you know they're they're wrapping up all this the streams here and bringing all the story threads uh, together for the for the final two episodes. Yeah, I get yeah like you're saying it's not a lot. 
it's mostly set up here, right? It's not yeah, yeah. it's not a lot of of moving the plot forward. It's more it's more setting up the the excellent finale. Like I'll forgive it because we needed that. You know, when you have Andor, you have two episodes that may be a little bit slow. And then the third one is going to knock your socks off. I think that's yeah. okay, you know, and, and that's what we have here on The Bad Batch. Yeah, you got you to gotta set the table sometimes to, uh, right. to deliver the final meal. And not every episode can be the emotional level of a finale. <laughs> you wouldn't want it to. You wouldn't want right. it to. It, you, right. You'd start to blow out your circuitry, I think. Exactly. Just like in uh, Last of Us, we, you know, they, they moderated that very well, right? They, you know, when they, they yep. push, relax, push, relax, so that you're not ever overstimulated. And then when they right. do really hit you with some stuff, they ease off a little bit for a minute. So yeah, it's, it's important not to burn your audience out. Right. Okay, so I think we're ready to talk about the finale. I think so. Season two, episodes 15 through 16. This is going to be a long synopsis because it's two to Wikipedia double. descriptions together. In order to find out more about the science division's activities, the Bad Batch trails Dr. Hemlock to an imminent summit hosted by Tarkin on Ariadu. The gathering concerns establishing a network of total control over the galaxy, in which the ASD's secret research in the Kaminoans' cloning technology is supposed to play a critical role. As they sneak into the base where the summit is held, the Bad Batch discovers that Saw Guerrera has also infiltrated the compound to assassinate the assembled Imperial top-level officers. The intruders are discovered, but the alarm bell is raised. But Guerrera sets off explosives which disrupt the base's rail car that the Bad Batch must use to escape, leaving them stranded. With their rail car imperiled by the Imperial attack, Tech sacrifices his life to enable the team's escape. Retreating to Ord Mantell to treat their injuries and come to terms with their loss, the Bad Batch is betrayed by Sid to Hemlock, who captures Hunter and Wrecker, forcing Omega to come out into the open. Echo and AZI rescue their comrades, but Omega is captured and brought to Mount Tantus, where she encounters Nalase and Crosshair. In addition, Emery Carr reveals herself to Omega as another clone and her genetic sister. Ooh, dun, that was yeah, that was a big one. But a good episode. I mean, a good two episodes. I mean, I literally watched that and said, did they just kill off a main character in a good show? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That was bold. I mean, again, all this bold decision making that they're doing, it, it really, when there are stakes and, and stakes that um, mean something to you as a viewer over a season, it just gives a level of quality and re just respect and enjoyment that um, you don't have if you don't have any real stakes. Now, granted, you know, we haven't seen the body. We don't know what's really going to happen. Can we actually really kill somebody off? But it was such a shocker. It was like, uh, you know, season one of Game of Thrones. Like, wait a minute, they just killed Sean Bean? You know, like, the hell is going on with this show? Yeah. So it really takes it to that next level. I, I hope he's really dead. Not yeah, we don't really hope he's dead. You we know just, what I mean? I hope, yeah. I hope for the story. <laughs> you monster! That he's really dead. You're a monster, stakes. John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know what? You know what? I don't care. The voice actor, I'm pretty sure, does like all the clones. So <laughs> right, he's exactly. got a job. He's, he's got a job. Exactly. But uh, as far as a character thing, I think it's better for the story if he stays dead. So I'm confused because it seemed like. Hemlock is putting a lot of uh, uh, import or weight on having Omega 
be the trigger that's going to open up num. Um, uh, I want to say namaste. <laughs> <laughs> namaste. Um, namaste. Thank you. Um, and I was like, oh wait, you're just trying to use her as like a you're you're gonna threaten to torture her if if namaste doesn't do what you want to do. I was like, that's kind of boring. I I thought Omega was going to be some sort of key that unlocked some secret DNA code or you know something along those yeah. lines. But no, they're just well, using her as leverage. I, I would hope so, but there's they've given yeah. no no indication other than having uh, Emery Carr be her sister, which I think is an yeah. interesting plot. Dun, dun, dun. I, yeah, what's yeah, with that? Omega, I am your sister. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. You know, yeah. it's funny. I was I was talking to my wife the other day about all these. You know how there's some like movie lines or TV show lines that are so often quoted, oh, yeah. but they're yeah. quoted the wrong way, and uh -huh. how. No, I am your father is always quoted as Luke. I am your father. Oh, uh, yeah. And and that's a whole thing. That's like a cultural thing. That is an yep. incorrect quote from a movie. Carl Sagan and Billions and Billions is another one. And uh, I think Julia Childs is credited with a couple of those, too. Yeah, where they're mm. where it, the, it, the, the, the mythology of it is bigger and larger and, and totally different than what actually happened. Right. Right. So. I always think of Spaceballs, too, where it's like, I'm your father's brother's sister's cousin's <laughs> roommate from college. What Such does that make movie. us? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> if we do a, if we do a uh, movie retrospective, we, we might have to throw Spaceballs in there. I, I love Spaceballs. We got to. All right. Spaceballs. All right. That would be fun. That would be good. Um, so this a uh, couple of other really interesting uh, uh, bits here. I was really surprised that it was Saw Gerrera. Like, once they realized that, like, security cameras were off, and I was like, oh, is there, like, a second party here, like, in, you uh -huh. know, going in? And then it's like, oh, my God, it's Saw Gerrera. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then when they're in the conference and, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Tarkin is done talking to Hemlock, he turns to Krennic and asks him about Project Stardust. And I, like, jumped out of my yeah. chair. I was like, oh, Rogue One, yeah. Rogue One. We're connecting everything. Happy. I loved it. It was so good. Isn't that so cool if you're an actor and you get turned into an animated character? <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like that's super cool. You know, they actually just put Saw in uh, the Jedi Fallen Order game. Okay. So, oh, wow. So he's in there, too. I mean, there, there's he's everywhere. I think that they're really trying to hype Saw up a little bit more. Wait, are you saying that Roy Kent and Saw Gerrera are secretly connected in some way? He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. <laughs> I, Ted finally Lasso. Got I was like, where are you going with this? <laughs> <laughs> and we are covering Ted Lasso, so pick us up on uh, usually Fridays on, when those come out. Um, to turn the topic slightly darker, too, the, this summit, this conference, really reminded me of the Wansi conference, uh, which was the basically the logistics planning meeting for... Uh, Nazi Germany and the Final Solution stuff, uh -huh. where and there's a really amazing uh, docudrama of it, uh, where oh, wow. yeah, it's chilling. It is terrifying because you want to talk about banality of evil. Um, this felt like this summit with uh, Tarkin felt very much banality of evil. As long as you took away sort of the mush, the mustache twisting of the you know the <laughs> evil bad guys. Yeah. You know, they're, they're trying to deal with logistics and operations and getting everything sort of, uh, op, you know, to work the way that they want it to, which is complex when you're, you know, a huge empire like that. So it was, in some ways, this summit was very chilling. 
because we're actually seeing them talking about planning out what the they're going to do to, you know, take over, you know, to to further dominate the the galaxy. Yeah, it's it's spooky. And I mean, it's I do think that we're going towards this fix the sequel trilogy. Yeah, plotline. Really, I think that really this episode that really direction. solidified that for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the Mandalorian has been going for that. I, th- I think that basically what they're trying to say is, all right, see this thing that we added in the sequels about cloning the Emperor. Yeah, that was planned the whole time. That's in the Imperial era when when he was in full power. That's what he was working on, and that's why it worked out eventually. Mm-hmm. Fine, <laughs> fine, right. right. Uh, I mean, I, look, I, I'm okay with that as long as they, along the way, they're building good story like this. Yeah, yeah. you know, and and giving us yeah. interesting stuff and developing our characters within the overall lore. I am, uh, I'll I'll go along for that ride, and and that's fine. And and the 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 plot to achieve immortality is uh, a good sinister plot you know that's mm-hmm. a good sinister plot for a for a big very sith yeah right very and it goes sith. back to uh the whole opera darth house Plagueis, conversation yep. yeah it goes back further than that if you go into legends because darth bane mm-hmm. who was the sith who instituted the rule of two that part is canon right in the darth bane trilogy you have him learning the ritual of essence transfer where mm-hmm. he learns to you know put his his essence into another body and it actually says in that book again legends it's not really canon anymore but it says the ideal candidate for the ritual of essence transfer is a clone is is a clone of you because it's going to fight your will less right okay and so if we do have if we say maybe they're bringing that back that idea back and then palpatine goes yeah all right so if that's the ideal i have time to make clones let me make some clones and then i will use those clones to make sure that I can't die. Right. And that's a very palpy thing to do. Sure is. is. to create... Big sheave energy. Know, this whole, like, I'm, I'm not playing, you know, three-dimensional chess. I'm playing 48-dimensional chess. <laughs> I'm so far... Every move you're making, I already foresaw and planned for. So, you know, right. this, this place is mine. Um, right. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I actually, you know, when we talk about seeing the movies again and, and connecting all this up, I mean, we might, I might actually have to watch the, the final two sequels to at least the, the final one to, like, try to pick up on some of the threads of, of the through line, you know. To or see you can watch also The Last Jedi, which is the best one out of the three. Anyway. Anyway, are you trying to get us uh, in trouble with? The, you want to? Are what, you trying I, to generate? Emails? I like the Last Jedi. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. it. It's a All decent right. movie. It had its issues, guys. But you <sighs> know what? We talked about some interesting things. Like, hey, maybe the Jedi weren't right about everything. What? That, a I'm all good idea. with that stuff. Yeah, I'm all good with that stuff. So anyway, so. maybe we'll do our. Maybe we'll start our Star Wars rewatch soon. We'll yeah, we'll we, we, we feel. I that. feel like we're being carried by the the tidal forces uh, in that direction. The force we, is pulling us in that direction. That's right. It really is. Um, do we have any much more to say about uh, Plan Ninety Nine and the Summit? The last two. I, I mean, cliffhanger action. Literally cliffhanger action on the rail cars. <laughs> I felt yeah. very James Bond during that scene. Um, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. what what was the movie? Which is the James Bond that had Jaws in it? Where they're on the cable cars? Oh, I don't oh, know. Jaws, I don't know. James Bond, cable cars. 
uh, Moonraker, yeah, which is one of the all-time, oh, Jump the Shark, James Bond, Roger Moore, <laughs> terrible, terrible stuff, where they're on these cable cars, and this guy who has these metal teeth, and he jumps over, and he's, uh-huh. like, biting into the cable, and anyway. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's 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 pretty wild. Um, but just the, the cable car motif was a very, uh, um, very strong visual reference for me in this episode. Yeah, well, in fairness, at least they didn't leave it as a cliffhanger. They gave us two episodes in one night. No, so they pushed everybody off the them. cliff. <laughs> I forgive them. Yeah, that's yeah, true. yeah. They did actually push somebody off the cliff. So it wasn't it wasn't a true cliff. It, I guess it was a cliffhanger, but it had real stakes. So yes. okay. Cool. And I, I, I do appreciate that they put both of, they dropped the two at the same time. Yeah. Because you couldn't, like, you, I would, I would, like, oh, I gotta wait a whole week. I would have I been freaking the hell out. Yep. Yep. Well, this was a lovely season of The Bad Batch. I can't Dude, wait for I'm season super three. Super stoked. Yeah. Do we have any intel amazing. or news on I have season no three? Intel. I haven't been reading any of the trades. It's just ended. What do, what do you want? You know, you uh, want them to put it out tomorrow. I want the release there, date first. <laughs> there is the a, uh, there is a, you know, a shorter turnaround for the animated stuff. It seems like, I mean, Bad Batch season one came out last year, so we are we are on a pretty quick turnaround with this thing, and and even so, it looks amazing. Yeah, I this and this um, this season, the animation was great. The textures on their armor, like it. They they hand painted the armor and it looks hand painted, yep. yep. um, and when you go back and <laughs> like you, I think it's the first episode of the first season of the Clone Wars where the flying people are and oh yeah and, oh like so it's so it's two thousand nine what do you want <laughs> uh, yeah I don't want two thousand nine animation that's what I don't want <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so that's where the tech was at the time unfortunately that's right that's but yeah it was George just, Lucas money could could. Uh, could buy afford so yeah really gorgeous uh gorgeous episode great plots great character development i really enjoyed the hell out of the season and i'm really looking forward to to season three because we're gonna have a bunch of stuff too we're gonna have ahsoka and we're gonna have mando you know completed like all of that's gonna be feeding into the the stew and uh, i have no idea where they're gonna take us I believe in the next week, I'm not sure the dates, but within the next week, I think we're going to know when Ahsoka is coming out, probably because oh, man. the Star Wars convention is happening, oh, where they're going to yes. they're gonna do all their you know announcements yeah. of all the cool stuff right. coming. So I'm sure we're going to find out when Ahsoka is coming out. We do have leaks of a Lego set of the, the Ghost, which is the ship from Rebels, Ooh. in September. Very cool. So people are thinking... If that comes out in September, then Ahsoka's coming out either a little bit before that or during that, you know? I would... So we're looking at, what, maybe fall? I think so. Maybe maybe late summer or early fall. Okay, I, I hope it's... Yeah, I after the summer so that I can, like, have full attention. <laughs> so I'm not, we're, yeah. we're not doing all our family stuff and travels and things like that, but we're actually uh, able to sit down and, and cover it. Because that's going to be a big one. It is going to be a big one. We still have to record our retrospective, which I know you've been already getting your your feet wet in. Yeah, and I feel like I've almost got to go back and rewatch everything after I've already watched it because I really want to pick up on some of the extra details. And so when we talk about that, actually, you want to plug that really quick uh, just to remind folks? Yeah, so when we are getting closer to the Ahsoka series, we're going to release a four-part retrospective on her 
animated story up to this point because i think that a lot of people who will tune in for the ahsoka show have been pulled in by the mandalorian things like that if you're listening to this podcast this might not be your issue because this is all about the animated (laughs) stuff but you know tell your friends or just join us if you want to sort of be reminded of the major arcs of ahsoka we're going to do you know her trial we're going to do the uh, the Siege of Mandalore arc. We're going to do a couple Rebels arc. So we're going to have a lot of good background. We're going to have a lot of good nostalgia and memory. So come along with us. We'll talk about what happened, what it means for the Ahsoka live action show, and we're going to talk about our favorite moments. I think um, we're going back to our roots a little bit with how our very first podcast was a primer on Rings of Power. We have a lot of OGs listeners with us too. So they all know that everybody knows this. But if you're, if you're a little bit newer to us, our first, uh, what was it, eight episodes? Our first eight podcasts were all yeah, deep dive prep like... material for, for Rings of Power. And uh, so we're kind of touching on our roots with this here, getting you ready for what you're going to see with Ahsoka. So that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to actually that conversation. Same here. Well, for now, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll dive into Star Wars Visions. And we're back. David, would you like to talk about Visions Volume 1? Sure. We're not going to do as a DP dive as we did for Bad Batch. We're just going to sort of touch on it. Um, So Visions Volume 1, as I I mentioned before, was uh, released in 2021. And it's a nine-episode anthology series that uh, all the stories are set in or inspired by Star Wars. So they don't have to be Star Wars canon per se. Um, seven Japanese animation studios were basically given creative license, like go do what you want. Like here's the Star Wars world, figure out a story you want to tell and tell it. And we're not going to restrict you in any way. We're not going to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. If you have questions, you want to know more lore or how something ties in or how something works, we'll answer your questions. But otherwise, just like push the boundaries of animation and storytelling and uh, have some fun with it. And so they did. Um, volume two is going to be out this May in, in about a month. And it's going to feature a wider group of international studios, the Spain, Ireland, India, Chile. Uh, and it looks like it's going to be nine episodes again. Um, and so I have no idea what that that's going to look like because they really are throwing the doors open in terms of animation styles and points of view and, and how they're going to go about stuff. So uh, it was very cool. And I, I was kind of skeptical when I first heard about Visions. I was like, huh, I don't, I don't know what this is or what it means. And I watched the first episode and I was completely blown away. Oh, um, wow. And then Great. I watched the second two episodes and I was completely <laughs> like, oh my God, what the hell is this? It's terrible. And yeah, then I, yeah. I, I got through the rest of the, the, the season and I really enjoyed it. So what I thought I would do is talk uh, quickly about my favorite three episodes and then my least two favorite episodes. All right. Please proceed and tell me what is the best episode to watch. All right. So my absolute favorite, hands down, no questions asked episode of this entire nine episode series is the first episode called The Duel. 
So uh, I'm going to read the uh, Wikipedia summary here again. Set in the alternative history, 20 years after the war between a feudal Jedi empire and a renegade Jedi sect called the Sith, a lone wanderer known only as the Ronin witnesses a legion of former stormtroopers attempting to besiege a small village. The Ronin fights the leader of the bandits, a self-declared Dark Lord of the Sith, armed with a heavy, modified lightsaber while his droid saves the villagers. The Ronin, actually a former Sith himself, lures the bandit leader into a trap and kills her. The Ronin, shown to be collecting red kyber crystals from each Sith he has killed, decides to give the leader's crystals to the villages, citing that it can ward off evil. So... The animation style, I don't know how to describe the animation style on this one. It's very has it's it's very liney, lots of lots uh-huh. of lines and drawing stuff. Right. The action is um has a lot of velocity and a lot of kinetic energy to it. The okay. setup when you're coming into it and you're just like, oh, what's going on here? It it completely blew me away. It was so unexpected and so visually interesting. The story is pretty straightforward, you know, kind of a seven samurai bandit village, you know, thing. But it was also great because it it really connected the uh, Japanese feudal roots and the concept of the Jedi and the concept of um, that era, this era of, of Star Wars, because obviously Lucas went to those sources for some of his inspiration, right? There's a lot going on in Star Wars. But clearly identified some of his inspiration um, is uh, some Kurosawa films and the whole, you know, right. uh, uh, samurai tradition. Yep. Definitely. That's, that sounds super cool. I actually watched the first few minutes of this and I liked it a lot. I, and then I think my child screamed and I had to go. So <laughs> what did you I don't know how to describe the animation style. Yeah, I maybe some cross hatching was that. Yeah, that, that's is it. that what yeah, they say. Is that I what the know. kids call it? Yeah. You know, kids these days. All right, so my next uh, favorite episode was episode number seven. It's called The Elder. Uh, I'm not going to read the wiki synopsis because it uh, would provide too many spoilers, but I'll basically describe it where a, um, a Jedi and his Padawan are out exploring and then they uh, disturbance in the Force and then they come across an incident that they have to deal with it and, and it gets a little dicey. Uh, I don't want to say much more, but this one, I really enjoyed the story and I really enjoyed the concepts that they were playing with and examining uh, uh, a different uh, trajectory for force users. Um, And it was was a very simple and clean story in many ways. And so I think that's another reason why I kind of respect it, because it wasn't trying to be all crazy. Um, It was just like, okay, well, let's twist up the universe a little bit. Let's keep the whole, you know, Japanese feudal thing layered over the, the, the Jedi Padawan thing and then push it out into some weird forgotten corner and have this incident happen. And uh, it was a clean, straightforward story. And I found it really satisfying. Very cool. Yeah, that one sounds super cool. I heard the spoilers because you did a trial run I reading read the Wikipedia <laughs> before. Uh, and that has been cut now. But yes. We it sounds super you. cool, and I now want to watch it. So yes. thanks for that recommendation. What's your next one, David? The last one of my top three, right? You know, because I, I, I enjoyed them all, even the ones I didn't enjoy uh, in as a as a whole. But my my number three was episode number eight, 
called Lop and Ocho. Ocho? I'm not sure. It's got the O with a line over it. Uh, um, we got we got to ask Marilyn to tell us what the... <laughs> see, we dropped Marilyn again. Uh, that's right. We got to ask her to tell us how to pronounce that one. So this one is a little bit interesting because the it's a family dynamic. And again, I don't want to read the whole Wikipedia uh, thing, so not to throw the, the, the surprise of the story. But basically, there's a guy who's sort of a feudal lord. He has an adopted daughter and his daughter-daughter. And then the two daughters end up being on opposite sides of um, a political uh, difference of opinion, I guess you could say, involving the empire. And I thought this one was interesting because it it, uh, looked at family relationships. It looked Uh at... Po- the politics of, hey, we're dealing with uh, life right now, and things aren't great. And on the one hand, we sh- we could go this way, uh, and and we it would have these consequences and ramifications, or we could go that way and have a different set of consequences and ramifications. And then the two daughters are representing these two points of view, with the father sort of torn in between in the middle. Um, and so it brought in politics and family and Jedi stuff uh, all into this stew. And obviously we have that in, in, we have family things going on in the main Star Wars line with the, with the um, Skywalker saga. But this is different because it was two siblings with opposite points of view hmm. and coming into like a, you know, mortal, you know, deadly combat with each other on it. And so, and all based on this difference in political belief. And so, it kind of hit home too, in the sense of, well, in in our modern daily life, we're dealing with some of those very same issues, and so it it resonated for me in that way of seeing how families can take a set against each other, and then hmm. at some point, it almost doesn't become about the politics, but it becomes about the sibling relationship, right? And how sometimes right. in some some sibling relationships aren't great. And they actually uh, become very strong um, dynamics uh, yeah. that happen in families, and, and sometimes in, in to lead to some really sad outcomes. And so, yep. this I, at the same time of this being a Star Wars anime and being a little bit manga over the top, you know, because there's some I don't want to describe too much of it, but um, one of the sisters, the adopted sister, is not uh, uh, human. Um, and oh. so there's like this just sort of, you know, sort of silly japanese stuff. I don't want to say silly Japanese. That's not what I'm saying. But they're more of a... I get a what you're japanese, saying. There's, you know, there's... Japanese there's anime a, stuff. Yeah. Japanese anime. I'm, it, I mean, you could say this about a lot of American cartoons too, right? Yeah, right. You know, in, in a lot of animation, especially targeted towards kids, things will be over the top. Yes. A lot of expressions will be over the top. A yeah. lot of, you know, yelling will be over the top. I'm watching One Piece right now, so I, I love anime. It's, it's a fun okay. time. One Piece has a lot of yelling for no okay. reason. And <laughs> it's, it's just, that's, that's, what you, that's what you're in for if you're going right. to watch Japanese animation. So, yeah, again, it, it brings in family, it brings in politics, it brings in the Force, it brings in the Star Wars universe, and it really uh, expanded some of the concepts and ideas for me in a, in a really nice way. So I super enjoyed that. So Very my, cool. Least two favorite are the number two and number three episodes. The number two episode is called Tatooine Rhapsody. And mm. we go back to Tatooine and 
This is kind of like, did you ever watch Scooby-Doo and, you know, like Scrappy-Doo and like, you know, and and they're in a rock band and like everything's cool. (laughs) So this has to do with uh, some kids or something getting together. I kind of blotted it out from my memory, so I have a bad recollection of it. And again, I don't want to read the the wiki to to spoil it too much. but it involves uh, the huts, it's Tatooine, obviously, and then, like, them, the main characters having to be in a rock band and sing, like, Star Wars rock and roll. It, it really, after the first one, which was, like, dark, the duel, the first episode was, like, it was dark and violent, and the animation was amazing, and it had a lot of kinetic energy to it, and then going to this, like, Oh, we're on Tatooine and we're in a rock band. It was a real head spinner. And I did not enjoy it that much. So the next one after that, episode number three, is called The Twins. And this actually takes place after the Battle of Exegol. And there are these two twins who are fighting and there's a super weapon and it was a very um i didn't understand the plot very well <laughs> it, it, it i was like oh this super weapon thing you know we have to stop it or we have to capture it it, it just got very silly in some ways and, and as uh-huh. you're saying the, the hyperness it was like over the top with its action and its animation and its character portrayals and I didn't really understand what I was watching or why I was watching it. Again, I was still in shock after the first episode. So, <laughs> you know, maybe I should go back and, and rewatch them. But neither of the storylines felt coherent to me in the same way that all of the other ones did, where there right. was a very clear right. focus to it. Uh, and they were taking a piece of Star Wars lore and twisting it. I mean, they're doing it in these two. But I just felt they were a lot more muddied and, and confused and, yeah, hyper in some way. So right. those are my least two. Those are the two that I enjoyed the least. That's what okay. I'm going to say. I don't want to drag down the – I don't want people to, like, you know, come at me with, uh, David, but you're so wrong. And Tatooine Rhapsody was the best. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe, maybe it was. Those are the ones that I, I didn't enjoy, but not Fair for, enough. you know, any, any big reason. But that said – Excellent. If you're into Star Wars, if you're into animation, if you're into one or the other or both, I would highly recommend watching the the visions. Um, they're they're all very short. They're all very consumable. Like you could say, oh, hey, it's going to be you know, it's ten minutes until uh, fifteen minutes until Last of Us starts up or whatever. You know, pop one of these on really quick and as a little amuse bouche or you know, uh, in, in you know, a filler between episodes or watch one you know at the end of your night or something like that. They're very consumable and, and very enjoyable. All right. Well, now that's on my list. I've got to I've got to head on there. I've got to take yeah. a break from the high seas of, of One Piece, and I've got to get back into my Star Wars. I, I I was only watching Star Wars for a while, and I think it's time again. Yep. David, we've got one piece of feedback, and it's in the form of a voicemail. It's from our good friend Alicia from Amsterdam, who wrote in or spoke in, I guess, to talk about the last couple episodes and what it meant to her. 
Hi Lorehounds, Alicia from Amsterdam here, checking in after a very moving season of The Bad Batch. Um, I personally love the whole season. I don't think there are any so-called filler episodes. For example, I was thinking a lot about that racing episode during the finale, especially uh, between the way it made me fall in love with tech and the warning we got about Sid. Um, and for the record, I am definitely team no body, no death. I think uh, we're going to find tech in a cell next to Crosshair next season, though maybe there'll be a time gap and a transformation like we had with Echo in the Clone Wars. Uh, fingers crossed, I'm manifesting it. But really one of the coolest things for me this season was the return of the Zillow Beast. Um, that was one of the dangling questions left after the Clone Wars series uh, when we last saw the carcass of the last surviving Zillow sent off for cloning and then we never heard about it again. So it was definitely a reward for everyone who sat through all the Clone Wars episodes, even the quote-unquote bad ones. Um, it ties into the cloning uh, timeline, which is like all the rage right now in current Star Wars storytelling, so that's cool. And the new Zillows are still out there, so we should get some more Zillow story in the future. Um, looking forward to seeing where that's going. And it also opens up an interesting ethical quandary. Um, so should the Zillow beast have been cloned? Like, are you saving an extinct species or are you creating a dangerous weapon? Um, does one outweigh the other? And is the empire torturing them with experiments that are worse than extinction? I'd love to hear your thoughts, David and John. So the Zillow beast. Yeah. We barely talked about it, but it is super cool that they have finally followed up on this, which is, a you know, season two of the Clone Wars. I think that's 2010. So you're looking at a 13 year wow. long wait to get follow-up on this. Crazy. Yeah, super crazy. So that was super exciting to see. And yeah, it was left open because the Emperor just said, all right, you got the you got the corpse, go clone it. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe you could have headcanon that nothing ever came up of it, like they couldn't clone it because it was dead already or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it does seem like uh, they had intentions of it and they just never went anywhere with it. So super cool to see follow-up on that. Uh, I am not on team nobody, no death with this. I really want <laughs> them to double down on, no, they lost someone. Yeah, and that it means something. conflict meant something and that sacrifice meant something. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Yeah, I'm also uh, on, um, uh, I don't want uh, uh, a, a false death. Uh, I Yeah, that trope is just so overplayed. Um, and I will be really sad if we lose glasses because um, he is a, a great character. Uh, the Zillow Beast and Extinction in Ethics, boy, I, I don't know that the Empire has a lot of ethical quandaries about uh, doing something like that. Um, no, they don't They care. are seeing a weapon, a powerful weapon, and they want to have as many of those in their pockets as they can. And I think the biggest danger is just the fact of them being able to control something like this. Because uh, obviously it got out of control here, and they, it took a, a huge effort to be able to contain the creature. Um, right. So I think this is one of those blades that that uh, is sharp on both sides. You know, they could use it very effectively, but trying to control it. And as we know, you know, the big monsters have a way of you know <laughs> breaking their containment. <laughs> so uh, well. You know that uh, the original Clone Wars arc was actually that they brought the adult back to Coruscant and it escaped. Oh, really? And so it was rampaging in Coruscant. Oh. Yeah. So we've seen that happen already. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. So that's, uh, I don't know, that's a pretty crazy, crazy idea for them to be to be doing. But of course, you know, they're power hungry monsters and, uh, you know, anything that they can do to, 
uh, have uh, big cudgel-like weapons that they can drop on planets and, and control people through fear, they're going to do that. Will Sheev ever have enough power? That's the real question. Mm, never. Well, I'm so glad that um, you also enjoyed the episode or the season, uh, Alicia, and thank you so much for all of your little lore bits and pieces. It's been great to, to have all of your information so far, and we still got Mando to finish up. Got a couple more episodes to go. So we'll see you over on that side. Very cool. Thanks, Alicia. All right, John, it's time to thank our Patreon supporters, particularly our lore masters. We uh, do have a Patreon, and if you're interested in what we do and want to support us in any way, it is really the best way. Um, we've got uh, a level, a $3 level, which is uh, gets you access to everything. The $10 level, our lore masters, their top tier cherry on top benefit is that they get a shout out from us at the end of every episode. We have 19 lore masters. Wow. It blows my mind every time. Crazy. Uh, and I want to thank each and every one of you by saying your names. Simartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michelle G, Michael E. Slow David down, w, sir. Brian P. Slow down. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, and newest lore master, Gareth C. Thank you all so very much. It means a lot to us. And it's just a pleasure to have such a receptive and fun community to be able to uh, send our voices out into the ether. Absolutely. So thank you. Yeah, really makes it possible. So thank you so much. David, we have a lot going on in April, so we're going to just highlight a few we things. Do. If you're listening to the public feed, you've probably heard our new This Month on the Lorehounds, where we discuss all the things we're doing. And you could also always go to our Discord server or our Patreon page, and there's a, an actual public post that you can go, even if you're not a subscriber, uh, if you want to see the full lineup. But here's a few highlights. We've got The Mandalorian Season 3 happening every week. If you're listening to this show, you're probably into The Mandalorian too, so check that out. We've also got Ted Lasso Season 3 coverage every week. That's been a great season a so show. far. We're laughing our butts off, and we are believing all the way to the store. Also, we right. just had a new podcast drop, our first episode of The Lorehounds Play with Brandon the Bard, who's my co-host, where we talk about all your pixelized adventures. And uh, we're, we're so excited to talk about that. And uh, we're talking about The Last of Us Part 1, which is the game that the HBO show is based on. So I hope that you all will join us for that and welcome Brandon to The Lorehounds family. Uh as a non-console game player, I really enjoyed the heck out of that podcast. I learned so much, and it was really fun to hear you and Brandon not only talk about the story, but talk about all the gaming stuff. I thought that was really fascinating. So it was a good listen. Well, thank you, David. I'm, I'm really glad it's part of our lineup. Yeah, I'm really excited for Brandon to do more with us. So stay tuned for that. Well, David, that's the end of the road, but I hope our listeners will join us for more Star Wars content and beyond. See you all on the next one. May the force be with you. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. And connect with us on Twitter at The Lorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening.
A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the fourth be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>